Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Pastor David. Thank you, Pastor Bruce. Well, good morning. It's good to be back up here. I haven't preached for 10 months, so uh, please be kind to me. I might be a bit rusty. But I'm excited to bring God's Word. It's always a privilege and honour to bring the Word of God because every time I pinch myself when I get a chance to preach God's Word, it's, uh, it's always a privilege. You know? I'm, I'm excited to share my heart with you. More than what I speak, the words I say this morning, I want, if you can hear the intent of my heart. Amen? Amen. You know, a lot of messages... It's got to be caught rather than, you know what I'm saying, taught. So I, I, I hope and pray that you will catch one or two things that I'm speaking this morning. And if you can apply that into your life, I've done my part. Amen? So let's pray. Father God, I pray this morning I commit this service to you. I commit what I'm going to say to you. And I'm excited to share your word. And I pray that you will help. Every single person here, Father God, to live a bigger, a stronger life for you, Lord. And every word that I speak, Lord, I pray that you will anoint it, that you will just use it to reach every heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Well, are you guys good? You're doing well. Let me get my notes sorted. I've got like 20 pages of notes. So we're going to be here for like three hours. But it's okay. You're okay, right? I'm having some fun. <laughs> well, you know, we're talking about family, right? Can I first start by saying family matters? Yeah? Family matters to God, and family matters to you, and family matters to me, okay? Family is God's idea, okay? It is not the government's, it is not yours, mine, it is not Google's idea, it is God's idea. Because in the beginning, God says it is not good for man to be alone. And then God says, go and be fruitful and multiply. Amen? It is God's idea. Can you say amen? So God puts all of us in families. Okay? We all, every single one of us are part of a family. We have a mom. We have a dad. Some of us have got a brother or a sister and some don't. But you could be here this morning and you say, David, I don't have my family here. Right? I don't have my family here. My father, my mom lives overseas. I don't have siblings. But can I say to you this morning, this is the house of God. This is the family of God. This is your family and this is my family. Amen? And that is what I'm going to speak about today, the family of God. When I think about family... I think about one thing. I think the first thing that comes to my mind is living together. Family lives together. Amen? Amen. Family don't just attend. Family don't just come together. They live together. And, and that's where I want to talk to you about this morning from Psalm 133 verse 1. Psalm 133 verse 1 says, Behold... How good and how pleasant it is 
for brethren to dwell together in unity. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. How many of you here know what the... What, what does it mean to behold something? Have you ever behold something? You know, when I was about 10 years old, one of my dreams came true, right? To sit in a Porsche, in a sports car. How many of you here like sports car? Or fast cars? My favorite is the Porsche. Porsche 911, okay? But I didn't get to sit in a Porsche 911. I sat in a po- Porsche 928, okay? I'll show you the picture shortly. Um, but, you know, just recently I bought myself a car, okay? Me and my wife had a long debate, like months of debate. You know, it's very involved buying a car. You know, you've got to look at the specifications, look at the price, compare. So I had my idea of what my car should look like, you know? I like a fast car, but my wife likes something different. She's got other ideas. She wanted a big car. So guess who won? <laughs> well, well we, we got a Mazda CX-9, which is a seven-seater. So, so okay, Rachel won, all right? You know, when, when Rachel says things like, go ahead, just get whatever you want to get, Just, just buy whatever you want to buy. <laughs> how, how many of you know that there's a dangerous path? <laughs> Don't go there. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> Don't even go there. Okay, all right. I think I'm sidetracked now. So, have you got a picture of that car? There you go. This is the car... I sat in and I was taken for a joyride when I was about 10 years old. It's called a Porsche 928. But anyway, my, so what happened was my dad's boss, right? He was a stockbroker. This is back in Malaysia when I was still living there when I was young, younger. And he came to town and while he was talking to my dad in the house, I snuck out to the car and I looked at every inch of the car because I've never seen such a car before. I was beholding the car. Well, this morning, God wants us to behold, to behold this thing called dwelling together and to look at how good and how pleasant it is when family dwell together. Can you say amen? Okay, so what does it mean to dwell what does it mean to dwell? So I dig into the Greek and the Hebrew. How many here know? Spiritual people always do that. <laughs> they always dig into the... They always go into the Greek and the Hebrew. Well, the Greek word for dwell means to live in together. To take residence with someone. To stay with someone. To have a to continue together, all right? We come here on a Sunday, we meet here every Sunday, and then we go home, okay? But to dwell means there is a continuing of that. Can you say amen? Amen. All right? The Hebrew word says to sit with someone, to sit with them. Do we sit with one another? 
after Sunday, do we sit with one another? You know, you know the measure, the measure of whether there is a dwelling in the house of God is what happens, is there life outside Sunday? Is there life outside organized church meetings? Maybe prayer meetings, maybe cell group, maybe connect groups. Is there life after that? You know, many Christians have what I call one-dimensional relationship. Okay, The only touch points we have sometimes is when we come to church, we know each other through either Sunday service or through maybe serving in the host team or maybe in our connect groups or something like that. But dwelling goes beyond that. Can you say amen? So that's what I want to zero in today. You know, there are four types. Over the years, I've been to church, I've been in church life for almost like 30 years. My goodness, that's a long time. 29 years. And over the years, I noticed there are four types of people. There are four types of people that come to the house of God, to the church. The first one are like, I call them spectators, all right? People who come to church, they are, they, they are regular in church. They, they could be coming regularly or not so regularly, but they enjoy the sermons, they enjoy the, the worship in church. Usually, they sit at the back of the church, but nothing wrong with that, all right? Don't get me wrong. You can sit wherever you want in this house. I'm just giving an illustration, right? But before the church finish, they're gone. All right? They're gone. Family is more than that. Okay? Family is more than visiting or spectating because family gets involved in the life of the body of Christ. Can you say amen? The second group of people are people with walls. Walls. Okay? What I mean by that? People who have come to church, they serve, they give faithfully, they serve, they get involved in the life of the church. But they build huge walls around about their world, around about their hearts. Now, I've got a picture of a huge wall. Is there a picture of the Great Wall? So what is this? This is the Great Wall of China. So this is one of the seven wonders. Is there seven wonders? Seven wonders of the world. It's the longest man-made structure in, in the world. Okay? If you add all the walls built over... 2,000 years, apparently, all right? 2,000 years in China by different kings and dynasties. The, the length is 21,196 kilometers long. That's half the length of the equator. Halfway. I didn't know that until just recently I did a bit of research. So, Do you know what's the purpose of the Great Wall of China? The Great Wall of China was built to what? 
to keep intruders and invaders out from China. That is the purpose of the Great Wall. But you know what? I've seen many Christians sometimes build walls around their lives, around their hearts, to keep people out, to keep each other, even family, out of their lives and their world. There is a no, visit, no visitors allowed sign <laughs> on the front gate of that wall. You know, one of the greatest enemies to together, to dwelling as a family, one of the greatest enemies is the walls we build around our lives. Okay? Walls of busyness. We're too busy. I'm too busy to have, to take my relationship with one another a bit further in the house of God. Maybe the walls of independence. You know, we don't want our independence to be under threat by connecting with others in the house of God. The walls of the fear of man or the fear of intimacy. Maybe we've been hurt sometime in the past. But all these walls keep us from the very blessing that God has for us. Amen? Because the Bible says, when we dwell together in Psalm 133, God commands the blessing upon the people. What walls have we got built around about our hearts and our lives this morning? Or are there walls that we have built over the years? I have to say, I can say one thing. Every single one of us have walls. I have walls built around my heart and my life. And you have walls. But when we learn to dwell together as family, these walls need to be lowered. They need to come down. They need to be lowered. When was the last time we pick up the phone and ring someone? When was the last time we visited one another? When was the last time we had fun together? Or we ate, we ate together? We had a meal together? And I'm sure many of us here are doing that and praise God for that. But if we are not, I want to encourage you today through my message this morning. I want to encourage all of us to take a step, to take one step further in where you're at, to take that one step further to make our relationships in the house of God more meaningful. Amen? You don't have to be so serious. It's okay. <laughs> and the third one are people, I, what I call fair-weather Christians, all right? Family are there for the good times and the bad times and the ugly times and the boring times, okay? So here are people who come, they, they get involved with the church, they serve, they give, they're connected, but at the first sign of trouble, of, at the first sign of Offense, you know, someone didn't smile nicely at them. They said, no, my time is up. Or they get bored. 
they get a bit restless and they go. That's not family, yeah? Family is there through the good, through the bad, through the thick and thin. And of course, the last one here is people who dwell in the house, who know what it means to experience the full life in the body of Christ. Amen. They, we learn to come and worship God together like this, to grow, to serve together, to laugh together, to play together, to, to work together. So let me give you a few things today about what is so good. So earlier I said, behold, how good. Let's behold this thing called dwelling together. I'm going to give you a few things why it is so good, okay? What is so good? The first one is it brings pleasure to God. When Christians dwell together in unity, it puts a smile on God's face. Amen? This is the very thing that brings out the character and the nature of God. That's, this is what makes us different, actually, to the, to the world. This is what makes us stand out. When we learn to get along and dwell with one another. You know, 50 times in the Bible, God gave the one another commands. You know, you know the one another commands? Love one another. Accept one another. Pray for one another, honor, submit, encourage, admonish one another. That's because it, it is a huge, it is a big deal for God. All right? The second thing, why it is so important, why it is so good dwelling together is that it fills us and it makes us complete. What I mean by, you, do, you know in, do you know you can have a relationship with God this morning and not be complete? Genesis 2.18 says, And the Lord said, It is not good for the man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. It is not good. God said that in the Garden of Eden when it was still perfect. Sin has not entered the hearts of men or the garden. There was no sin. And, God, and yet God said, it is not good. Think about it. This verse blew my mind actually when I read it after a few times. What the verse is trying to say here is that there, are, there is a void inside our hearts. There is a space in our hearts that God, even God can't fill. And that space is, another, is for another human being to fill. God cannot even fill that space because it is God's idea that we have relationship with another person, another human being. God created us for meaningful relationships. Can you say amen? Yes. See, dwelling together is good and pleasant because it has the power to fill the, one of the most basic needs of a human life, the need to belong. Not only to believe, but to belong. Amen? So when God says dwell together, 
what God is saying is make our connections meaningful. That's what it means. When God says dwell together as a family, it means when you go to the connect group that you go to, make that connections within the group. Make the relationships meaningful to you. Because, friends, relationships are only as good as its authenticity. I had to practice this word like five times. <laughs> authenticity. Relationships are only as good as its authenticity. The more authentic the relationships we have in the family, the better it is for you and me. Amen? Relationships are as good as its authenticity. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. You know, um, dwelling together doesn't only bring pleasure to God. It brings pleasure to you and to me. It brings pleasure to us. Do you know that many people do weird and wonderful things to get pleasure in life? But the truth is, right, the answer is right in front of us. It's right beside us. It's right behind us. When we learn to get along and when we learn to dwell with one another, it brings pleasure to our life. That's why the second greatest commandment in the Bible. What is the second greatest commandment in the Bible? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Don't love your neighbor less than you love yourself. Don't love your neighbor more than you love yourself, but love your neighbor as yourself. This is the antidote to depression. This is the antidote to an unhappy life. You know, God put that there for a reason, all right? When we love our neighbor as we love ourselves, the more we love ourselves compared to what we love our neighbor with, the more unhappy we will become. The more we love ourselves, more than we love our neighbor, the more unhappy we will be. But the, if we close that gap, if we love ourselves as we love our neighbor, you will find you will be a lot happier. Amen? This is not what I'm saying. This is the Bible, right? The second greatest commandment. It's like the first. Do you know that? Do you know Jesus said the second greatest commandment is like the first? That means it is as important as loving God Himself because you cannot split the two. Loving God and loving man cannot be split. How many of you have used chopsticks before? <laughs> okay, most of us. Some are better than others, right? But if you were to use one pair, one chopstick instead of two chopsticks, I don't think you can do much with that one. Maybe you can poke it. That's what I do. I, when I go for yamcha with, with some of my Caucasian friends and colleagues, right, they use it to... No, it's good. It's good. There's always new ways of doing things. Oh, dearie. All right. The third thing, why is it so good to dwell together as a family? Why is it so powerful? 
It's got a power to help you grow. The third thing, why dwelling together is so good, it has the power to help us grow. Now, before I got married, I used to think I was a pretty cool guy. <laughs> I used to think I was pretty perfect. <laughs> you know the four C's. Have you heard of four C's? Yeah. The four C's. You know, I had, I had a car. It wasn't a very nice car. Not, not, not the one that I showed you, but I had a car. I had some cash. The second C. I had a credit card. Three C's. I didn't have a condominium, but I had a bit of charisma. So I had four C's. <laughs> so I had four C's. No, no. What I'm trying to say, before I got married, I thought I was a very tolerant person, patient, gentle, kind. You know, I was very understanding until the day I got married. So after I got married, okay, maybe not after I got married as in the day I got married, maybe 12 months after I got married, <laughs> after the honeymoon period is over, suddenly the wheels started to come off a bit, you know? The bubble burst a little bit, you know? Suddenly not cleaning the toilet after a week is a big problem. <laughs> not mopping the floor in two weeks, is a huge problem. <laughs> Suddenly leaving dirty laundry or socks around the place, it's a big problem. Friends, this is called growing up, right? So, you see, before I got married, everything is good, you know, because I didn't have to live with someone. But when we live in, when we dwell, when we get close to one another, we start to see the good and the bad and the not so good. And that is exactly what God wants to do. Unless we dwell, we will never get close enough for God to work on our character. Can you say amen? So that's what dwelling together, that's why God says it is so good. Why it is so good? Because it is so good because it really becomes rubber hits the road stuff. You know what I'm trying to say? And that's exactly what we all need in our life. To grow and to mature and to develop. So whether it's in the home, in church, in small group, or in the team that we are serving in. You know, if I were to join a creative arts team today, I don't think I can make it, but even if I do, and I sing out a tune, I'm going to offend someone. So there is a bearing. You know, the Bible, the Bible says in Ephesians 4.2, if you have the verse, you can bring it up. With all loneliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, what? Bearing with one another in love. Is it easy to bear with someone? <laughs> is it easy to bear with someone? Sometimes it's not easy, yeah? But that's exactly what love is. That's exactly what God is calling you and I to do. When we dwell, we are actually bearing with one another. So if there's no... When was the last time you had to bear with someone in the church? 
in the family of God. If you are not bearing with someone, that means you are not close enough yet. Let me, let me replay, re- repeat, okay? When was the last time you had to bear with someone in the family of God? If, you, if your answer to me is, no, I, didn't, I don't have to bear with anyone. I'm very happy. I'm very... That means you have, you, we have not come close enough just yet. We have not seen the good and the bad and the ugly of each other yet. But that's exactly what God is calling us to do. Amen? So the process of growing up doesn't mean just reading the Bible and praying every day. It means reading the Bible, praying every day, and getting along with a brother and a sister and the family of God. Can you say amen? The process of growing up includes reading the Bible, praying, and getting along with my brother and my sister and the house of God. Can you say amen? Sorry, I'm a bit untidy. My shoelaces have come off. So I might actually just do it. I think everyone will be looking... Okay. So we grow spiritually when we learn to bear with one another. You know, when we dwell with one another, we put to test the fruit of the Spirit in our life. When we dwell together, we put to test the fruit of the Spirit. We exercise our kindness and our gentleness, our self-control and our patience with each other. The second thing in the area of growing is that when we dwell together, it takes us out of our self-centeredness. Amen? It takes us out. How many of you here know that people, I read a book somewhere. It's a book written by Dale Carnegie. How many of you have heard Dale Carnegie. Dale Carnegie wrote a book called Making, what was the thing again? How to Make Friends, right? And he said in his book, right, people are generally 10,000 times more interested in themselves than you. That means we are naturally selfish people, right? We are all naturally self-centered. But you know what? Dwelling together is an antidote to self-centered living. When we dwell together as a family, it is an antidote. It keeps our eyes away from ourselves. It is really hard to be selfish when we are focused in meeting another person's need. It's really hard. When, when When we are focused in, you know, serving one another, Okay, helping one another. We keep our eyes away from ourselves. Does it mean that we are not selfish anymore? No, it doesn't mean that. It just means that we are less prone to our self-centered nature when we dwell together. Can you say amen? So that's why the Word of God says in Philippians 2.3, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others lower than himself or better? Better than himself. 
Let each esteem others better than himself. And the last one here for growth, why is it so important that we dwell together? It helps us grow. And the third way it will help us grow is that we sharpen one another. Okay? Dwelling together brings us close enough. How many of you here know that if you want to sharpen something, there must be contact? Can you sharpen something without any contact? No. So dwelling together allows us to come close enough that we can stir. The Bible says stir one another up. Hebrews 10.24 says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Do you know that coming, our, do you know that our together, our dwelling together is more than just doing good to one another. Doing good for one another and caring for one another. It's actually more than that, okay? God says, I want you to dwell together so that we can stir one another up. Not in a bad way. Okay? I'm going to stir John up. You know, when we meet for coffee or when we meet for lunch or when we meet for a chat, what do we talk about? Do we talk about, usually talk about the foodie or the hobbies that we have, the weather, the jobs that we have? But is there a bit more that we talk about? Sorry? <laughs> I didn't hear that, sorry. Oh, food, that's right. We talk about food. But do we, is our relationship deep enough to talk a bit more than just that? Because the truth is, right, we are called to stir. The word, the word in New King James, and I love this word, is provoke. We are called to provoke each other unto good works and stir up love. The word provoke, right, actually means to excite, to action. That means you excite someone to do something. That is the word provoke. But sometimes it can have a negative connotation, right? Provoking. <laughs> Provoking each other in a good way. Amen? So I want to encourage you, all right? The next time we get together, we do together, let's think a bit more than just what's on the surface, all right? But that can only come if we have a relationship close enough for us to do that. Can you say amen? And the last one here is dwelling together has the power to lift us up. Together has the power to lift us up. You know, my mom, so my, my mom was really young, maybe 12. She is one of nine children, okay, in family back in Malaysia in olden days, right, many years ago. <laughs> All right. She, she was really petite. Right? So one day she went to the well to draw water. So instead of her drawing water, the water drew her into the well. Right? So she fell into the well. And there was no one around. She was calling and screaming for help. She was drowning, literally. She couldn't... Because you know those wells have got lots of... Uh, 
is it mold? Mold? What do you call it? Yeah, really slimy stuff, right? You can't even support yourself. So she was crying for help. But my grandfather was working about a kilometer away from where my mom was, okay? This, my, dad, my grandfather and my par- uh, grandparents and my mom were not Christians at that time, but I believe it was God, all right? My grandfather felt something really uneasy in his heart that afternoon. So he picked up his bike and cycled home. On the way home, he heard my mom crying for help, and he threw the bicycle and picked my mom out. Otherwise, I won't be here today. So you know what? There are times in life you're going to fall, we are going to fall, and we're going to need someone to pick us up. We are not Superman or Batman or Ultraman or Iron Man. We are going to fall one day and we are going to need someone to pick us up. But is there going to be someone there to pick us up? Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes. 4, 9 to 12 says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him. We are called to lift one another up, okay? But of course, the two... Two is not better than one if the two is always fighting with one another. <laughs> if the two are enemies, they are not better than one. But if the two are together and they have companionship with one another, it's way better than one. Can you say amen? And that is the family. That is, the, that is what the family of God actually means. Yeah? It means we do not live a solitary life. We are not just one person. We are made of a body of Christ. Can you say amen? amen. Last verse, Galatians 6.2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burden. When was the last time we bore someone else's burden in the house of God? Don't, don't show your hands, but... Ask, I asked myself this question. When was the last time I helped someone? Like, I actually literally helped someone. So I think that is a question I would like to ask all of us. And the truth is, right, unless we, we all need to bear one another's burden, there will be times... I would need someone to bear my burdens and there will be times someone else would need me to bear their burdens. And that is, and that is family, amen? Yeah. That is part of family. And to conclude, I will say one thing, last thing, all right? There is a purpose for family, all right? There is a purpose to our dwelling together. It is not so that we can enjoy fellowship. That is half of it, half the truth. The other truth is so that we can work the work that God has called us to do. The family, the dwelling together has a purpose and the purpose is so that, because God, right, 
expects a harvest. How many here know that God expects a harvest from our life and from the church? So our together is not just only about us. It's about beyond these four walls. It's about the people that are out there who do not know Jesus Christ, who do not know God today. Our together needs to account for that. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you that, Lord, you are all-knowing, you are all-wisdom. Thank you that, Lord, our life belongs to you, Lord, and you are in control of every single thing that we do, Father God. Lord, you are in control of our life. Father God, I pray for every single one here as, as I've shared the word, and I pray, Father God, that you will use that word and you will touch every heart here, Lord, that you will reach out to every single individual person here, Lord, and you will do that work in them, that you will use the words that, that I've spoken and your Holy Spirit will use that to encourage and to build and to strengthen and to break down walls, Father God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, if there are walls that we have built around our hearts and our lives. Right now, I pray, God, that you help us break down those walls so that, Lord Jesus, we can do family better, Father God, with one another, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. If you are here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ, you have not received Jesus in your life, or maybe you have known him, but you have gone away from him. Well, this morning, God is here and he's looking and he's looking at every single life. If that person is, if that is you this morning, I want to pray with you. I want to give you this opportunity to receive Jesus, to receive God, to connect with God again. Because he has the power to change and to transform our lives. Amen. So if that's you, just lift your hands. I want to pray with you. Is there anyone like that in this place? You do not know Jesus and you say, I would like to receive Jesus this morning. Can you all pray with me and follow me with this prayer? Lord Jesus, I receive you into my heart. I receive your salvation. Forgive me for all my sins. And give me a new life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you said that prayer for the first time, I want to encourage you to text yes to this number that's up there. Right? If this is the first time you've said this prayer, or you have received Christ a long time ago and you've gone away, but all during the week, you you change your mind and you say, I want to receive God. I want to connect with God. Just text yes to this number and you will receive a prayer and a verse every morning for the next 30 days to encourage you, to build you. And your contact details will be totally uh, kept uh, confidential so that you don't have to worry about that. Amen. Well, God is good. I hope you've been blessed. I hope you've got something. How many, of you say, 
how many how many of us here can say I can take one thing away or two things away that you can use? I just if you can just apply one thing practically this week or not just this this week but the rest of this year or whatever going forward that is that would really I believe change things for you and for God to work in your life amen amen thank you <laughs>